Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 352, and we're talking about our top 10 tips for car hire while traveling. That's right. And where have we been in the last little while? What have we been up to? We've just been in New Zealand, just hanging out in Auckland, packing up, because... We've been a little bit up in the air about our travel plans because Craig hurt his arm at the beginning of February and it wasn't broken and then we thought it might be and then it was just a sprain. And finally on Tuesday, Craig went for an MRI and we found out that yes, it actually was broken, which is a good thing to know. Definitely. Um, But with that knowledge, we know uh, what the treatment plan is and it means we've been able to confirm our plans for the next little while. So tomorrow afternoon, we are flying out of Auckland and starting our next leg of travel. Yeah, so we're heading down to Christchurch. We'll spend a week with Craig's parents down there, then across to Melbourne to visit my sister's family and then to Athens. So we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be such a good trip, and I'm so glad that the arm has come through. You know, you never know what little hiccups life's going to throw at you. Yeah, it was really uncertain because we weren't sure if he was going to need surgery or something like that, which would have really meant we would have had to stay in New Zealand. But as it is, he's got a splint at the moment, which apparently is a perfectly good way to look after it. So the treatment plan that he has been on has been the correct one. So it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting packing my bag because I'm going to have to take out stuff to put in some of the physio equipment that I've got. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be, yeah, interesting. Fun times. Interesting indeed. Hey, while we've been here in the last, I don't know, three weeks especially, we've met quite a few Indie Travel Podcast listeners, so a bit of a shout out to them. Yeah, it was great to see Amanda and Dean from Canada. We met up with them and had some, uh, some drinks and some ice cream, which is really nice. And also dinner as well. And we also met up with Ingrid and Pa from Sweden who heard about us while they were researching how to travel around New Zealand. And now they're in New Zealand traveling around, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Neat to, to see Amanda and Dean again. We first met them up in Coruña in Spain many years ago. Yeah. And uh, reconnected again here, which is awesome. And yeah, great to meet Ingrid and Pa as well. We've also spent time with our friend Sabina from Austria who came over with her parents and is traveling around New Zealand. So that was really cool. And just spending time with our friends and family while we're here. So it's been good. It's sad to be leaving, but uh, we're looking forward to the next adventure. Absolutely. This episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by Autoslash. Autoslash is a website dedicated to saving people money on car rentals, and they're pretty cool. Yeah, unlike other car rental booking sites, which tend to just offer standard rates, what Autoslash does is they search hundreds of coupons and discount codes for all of the major rental companies, and they find the lowest rate possible, taking into account those coupons and discounts that you're already eligible. What, what's neat is it's not only the ones that are publicly available, it's also like if you're a member of the AAA, Costco, if you have some bonuses through your frequent flyer card, All of that stuff is also included in the algorithm, so you're doing a true comparison of your cost. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, of course, you don't have to kind of do that yourself. You just put in the data and Autoslash does all the work for you to find the lowest rate possible. The other thing I liked is after you've booked, they will keep running your search for you Mm -hmm. and they will email you if a lower rate comes up. So you can book but not confirm, not prepay. And then they'll keep updating you as the price falls. And the best thing is it's completely free. So you don't have to pay auto slash anything and they'll do all this work for you. So I think it's a really good service. Nice. Go to autoslash.com. That's A-U-T-O-S-L-A-S-H.com for more info. Okay. Well, let's talk about our top 10 tips for car rental. 
As you'll know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we don't often rent a car. We usually tend to go with public transport. And there are many reasons for this. One, we really like public transport. But two, we're often quite wary about renting cars. We've had some good experiences. We've had some bad experiences. We've had some expensive experiences. So it tends to be one of the later options we'll choose. We'll look for other options first and then go for car rental. Yeah, I think that's true. But more and more, we're wanting to go to places where a car is is needed to get there or to get around. And so I think a lot of the problem in the past was our lack of confidence mm-hmm. because of our lack of experience and you know uncertainty around the rental process, around foreign traffic laws, around all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so hopefully these tips will help you, our listener, to overcome some of those issues that we had and have a great time while hiring a car, traveling around. Yeah, because hiring a car can often be the best way to get around. You have so much more flexibility. I mean, certainly thinking about traveling around New Zealand, you definitely want to have a car to get around New Zealand. If you rely entirely on public transport, you won't see half of the things that are available to see. So I definitely think that using some of these tips will help you become more confident and be able to hire a car and have a good time. So tip number one, think about the type of car that you really need. You might be able to get away with a smaller car than you expect, and smaller cars normally come with easier parking options and smaller petrol prices. So do you need an automatic? Do you need a a big saloon? Are you happy with a manual? How many people are traveling? What's the luggage situation like? Mm. We've been hiring a Toyota Ist while we've been here in Auckland, and we've found it's great for four people just to roam around or for three people and their luggage for kind of a three to five day trip. Yeah. That's a pretty small car. You know, it's a little city car, Mm -hmm. but it's been perfectly adequate for getting around. Yeah, but you definitely wouldn't have wanted to go on a road trip with four people in that car. There just wasn't space for the luggage. Yeah, and there wasn't enough strength to get up hills to go on a really long road trip. Mm -hmm. But it's been perfect for kind of a couple of hundred k's out of town kind of situation. Yeah, and it had really good fuel economy, so that was great. So yes, for two people, well, it was the two of us most of the time. But if we had to have another person for a road trip, then, then three people was perfectly comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to fit four people in luggage and that would not have worked. No way. So after you've figured out what you're after, then shop around. Spend some time looking at different options. Now, our sponsor for the show, Auto Slash, does a lot of that work for you. And I like that, but I always tend to double check as well and go to the source. I do that with every price comparison site. Yeah, have a look around at what's available in the local area because there might be small providers that you've not heard of. Maybe your accommodation recommends a certain company to you. Compare the prices with what you can find on a consolidation website. Be aware that in the U.S., the car rental industry is controlled by three main players. So there's Enterprise Holdings, Avis Budget Group, and Hertz. So Avis owns Budget, Payless, and Zipcar. Enterprise owns National and Alamo. And Hertz owns Dollar and Thrifty. So if you're comparing, say, Dollar and Thrifty, you're actually comparing two brands within the same company. So you might not find as much of a difference between those two brands as you would if you're looking at something completely different. Tip number three, book in advance. Book as early as you possibly can and then check the rates often to check and see if the prices drop. So what we often see is that prices drop as the pickup date gets closer and closer because the companies want to maximize the usage of their fleet. So it's, you know, it's better for them to have a car hired out and on the road than sitting in the lot. So keep an eye on that. And so that brings us to point number four. 
don't necessarily pay in advance. Plan to pay on pickup, and that way you're able to get a better deal later on rather than maybe getting a small discount for prepaying. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, these prepay uh, options often look cheaper, but as you get closer to the time, you're likely to find a better deal. However, make sure that if you're booking for a very popular, say, holiday weekend, you just book in advance and and stick to it. Try not to uh, cancel your booking at all. One of our friends had hired a car. We were in France and they were in Switzerland. and They'd hired a car to come down and visit us. And we were going to be staying in this little chalet and watching the Tour de France go past. Craig and I got there. But then at about eight o'clock on the evening of the day they were going to drive down, it was only about, say, a two-hour drive, our friend rang up to say he couldn't come. And we said, why not? He said, the car hire company had given away the car. So it was a really busy weekend. He hadn't called to confirm he didn't think he needed to. I think he'd arranged to pick it up at, say, 6 o'clock. And he showed up at 6 o'clock and they'd already given the car away. So it was not the best result. It might be worth bringing up uh, on the day of your reservation just to check that the car is there and to confirm that you're definitely coming. Absolutely, yeah. That was shocking. That, that stuffed up everyone's plans for that week. Yeah, because... Every car in the whole city was booked out. Yeah. He couldn't get another one. There was no public transport to get to where we were staying. And he and his family just couldn't come and see us. It was very disappointing. Mad, eh? Hey, number five, tip number five, always return your petrol tank full. Now, I remember when we were just up in Scotland and we rented a car for a week or so, we got given a pile of different options as to how we were going to return the petrol tank. And looking at it, I was just like, this all seems really confusing and quite costly. We'll just return it full. And all of the research I've done after that seems to indicate that's the best thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Prepaying for a tank of gas or letting the rental company refill the tank when you come back, it might seem convenient, but it's pricey. It's really pricey. It might be pricey because they just charge a multiplier of whatever petrol costs at the station. So they might charge twice as much as what you'd expect to pay if you filled it up yourself, or they might charge a convenience fee. So it's just not a good idea. The other option uh, is to prepay for a tank of gas, but that's bad for a couple of reasons. One is that, once again, they'll probably charge you more than the rate that you can get for yourself. Number two, you have to return the car basically empty in order to get good value for that. And that's actually really hard to do. I mean, if you don't magically arrive at the lot with an empty tank, which you won't because that's just impossible, you'd have to drive around in circles, which is pointless. <laughs> so, yeah, it's much I can better. just imagine you driving around in circles to get your money worth. It's yeah. like, I prepaid for this petrol. I'm let's, use let's, it. <laughs> let's go out there again. Come on, let's go. Yeah. So it's just so much better to get the car full of gas, and then you can leave with it full of gas, which is really convenient. You can just start your trip. We recently hired a car and it wasn't full of gas, which we were really surprised about because we definitely prefer to hire a car when it's already full of gas. So we had to go, losing some of our time, go to a petrol station, fill up with gas, and then get moving. Yeah, when we returned the car, we had to return it at about the same fullness, which just seems very inexact. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't appeal to my sense of justice. <laughs> so yeah, if you have the option, definitely get the car full and return it full. Number six, think about where you're going to pick up your car from because quite often airports are more expensive, but they're not always. Mm. And this is a uh, a bit of magic, right? Because as we all know, airports are expensive places to be, expensive places to have property. 
our, uh, you know, lease land for, for the drop-offs and pickups. Mm-hmm. And that means that often the prices are a bit higher. Yeah, but people often think that rental rates away from the airport will be cheaper, and so they just look for options not at the airport. But it's not necessarily the case. Sometimes if there's a lot of competition at the airport, then the car hire companies will put their rates down, and actually the equivalent car at a city centre location might be more expensive. So, yeah, it's definitely worth looking at all your options. Don't just discredit one option because you think it's probably going to be more or less expensive. Yeah, and then if you are looking away from the airport, you should factor in the costs of a taxi or an Uber to uh, transfer there and back again. Mm -hmm. And I guess more important for really short-term trips, think about the time factor as well. Yeah. I mean, we recently hired a car when we were in France and we could just walk to the car hire place at the airport and it just saved so much time. We just got the car and we could go. And then we were also leaving from the same airport. So when we came back, we knew exactly where to go to drop off the car. So it does make a big difference. If we'd had to factor in another half hour or 45 minutes to go to a location in the city centre, it was Paris too, so it would have been even longer. just wouldn't have been practical. I remember booking in the UK, and one time we were arriving quite late at night. I think it was about 7.30 p.m., and we wanted to – we were trying to get out to Wales that evening. Mm-hmm. We ended up falling short and uh, <laughs> turning off the motorway as our eyes closed on us. It made sense there to pick up from the airport. Even though it was more expensive, mm-hmm. it meant we could get going straight away. We could get heading out that night, whereas arriving during the day – We'd often go into town by train or by Mm. coach and then pick up the car from there. Although my brother lives in London and he's been hiring cars recently and he's found actually going out to Heathrow to pick up a car has been the best option recently. He he lives in London and he found that actually taking the train out to Heathrow to pick up a car for for a day trip is actually the best plan. So that's exactly the opposite of what you might expect. He's not even flying into the airport. He's just going to the airport from his home to get a car. Yeah, mad, eh? Absolutely mad. Yeah. So, hey, tip number seven, insurance. Get insurance, get extra insurance, get all of the insurance. Insure yourself. Yeah. When you book your car, you'll be offered insurance, and it may be your best option just to go with the car hire company's insurance. But then again, it may not. Also, you may have to purchase some kind of insurance through the car hire company uh, with more comprehensive cover costing more. So recently when we hired a car, we hired a spaceship camper van here in New Zealand, and Part of the rate was insurance. It just was covered. So we we had to pay for it. But the excess was $2,000, which we thought was quite a lot, you know? That is quite a lot of money, yeah. So instead of going up in value, I think it was an extra $100 a day to get the the better insurance, we got a domestic travel insurance policy, which also covered rental vehicle excess. And I think that was $50 for the whole trip or $60, something like that. So as well as getting the vehicle excess insurance, we also got covered for any problems that might happen outside of car rental. Yeah, I think uh, I'd never heard of doing this before. So when Linda suggested it to me, I was like, you know, what? Um, okay. Yeah. And then when I looked into it, it was a genius idea. So he paid $50 for four days instead of $400 extra. Mm-hmm. And we got all of this extra cover as well. Luckily, we didn't have to use it, but that was great. Yeah, I heard about it through my brother because he hires cars quite often in the UK and he says it's the best way to do it. And so that's that's what we tend to do. And we also did that last year when we rented that truck to take my dad down to Gisborne and it was great. Yeah. It does have some negatives in that now you've got two insurance policies that you've got to manage if something does go wrong, but you know, it's a, a much smaller outlay. 
Mm-hmm. And I wish we'd known about it when we'd first hired a car when we were in the UK and you were doing your canal boat license. We arrived at the airport and we'd already booked the car. We got we got the hard sell. We didn't really have much money at the time and we realized that we just couldn't afford the excess. So we paid more expensive insurance, quite a lot more expensive, mm-hmm. so that we would lower the insurance. And gosh, if we'd been able to pay £50 or £30 or something to reduce that, it would have been so much better. Well, friends of ours found themselves uninsured in Iceland when they hired a car. Now, they thought they were insured. They had bought the recommended insurance policy that the car rental place gave them. So they thought they were fine. But a cloud of volcanic ash came over the uh, the motorway and it ruined the paint on the hire car. And that wasn't insured as part of the recommended insurance from the dealer in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So, this was before, well, it was around the time of the first eruption. So it wasn't kind of widely known. These days it's more widely known that volcanic ash can ruin your car. But at that time it wasn't common. Uh, apparently volcanic ash cover was available at some car hire places, but maybe not at this particular one. But they would certainly, certainly have bought the insurance if they'd known that this was a problem. But no one told them. So I guess the takeaway here is to do a quick Google search for common insurance issues in the area you'll be traveling to. Look out for scams as well while you're there or, you know, companies that maybe aren't so legitimate when it comes to paying out on their insurance Mm. or, you know, how they price their cars. Make sure you're covered and, yeah, keep an eye out for any local stories as well because... Even big companies with strong international reputations can have bad staff or bad franchises in various parts of the world. That's true. Okay, let's get on to once you actually have your vehicle. So you've chosen the company you want to go with, you've booked it, you've arrived, you've got your vehicle, now what? Well, the key thing to do is to inspect it. You want to make sure that it's up to the standard that you expect. Uh, Inspect it carefully. Um, Quite often car hire companies will give you a form to fill in and mark any issues but also take photos or a video of any damage before you leave. Then you're just covering yourself because you don't want to get caught up in the he said, she said, my word against yours when when you're trying to claim insurance. Yeah, and it's we've always walked around and taken photos of each of the main panels, any scratches, anything like that. And we saw a couple the other day doing the same thing, but they were walking around with their their cell phone video running Mm -hmm. and talking about things as they went. And that's become our new modus operandi. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to do it. If you do get given a form to mark some of the issues on, um, you'll give that back to the car hire employee. Make sure to take a photo of that as well, just so you know what you've said is on the car. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, it's important to do that. It's also important to make a note if things aren't clean, which sounds ridiculous. But if you pick up a car that's dirty, ideally, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But if you do pick up a car that's dirty or marked in some way, it's important to let the person know. So we've had times when we've, you know, been in a car, we've driven out and we've realized that there's a horrible smell coming from the back seat. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, turn around, take that back, get them to swap it out for another one. Yeah, that's right. Also, we were just talking about checking for damage. We tend to check for damage on the outside, but it's worth having a look on the inside too. If there are any panels coming away or if the seat doesn't work, things like that. So spend a minute or two in the car as well just to look for any issues of that type. Yeah, so number nine, be wary of extras. And also be aware of uncommon advantages. That's right. So there are 
many, many additional charges and they can rack up very quickly. So the most common one is additional driver fees. Depending on who you're hiring with and your advantages, you might not have to pay anything for additional drivers or you might get one additional driver or you might have to pay some ridiculous amount, you know, so much per day or uh, so much in total to allow another driver to, to drive. Yeah, but if you have a membership of like an automobile association or something like that, you might get access to free additional drivers. Mm -hmm. Because it's actually safer and I'd highly recommend if you are driving with anyone else to put that person on it because if you twist your ankle – you might not be able to drive that last couple of hundred kilometers. That's right. So even if you're planning for just one person to do most of the driving, then it's worth having the additional driver on there. But if you're going to be paying $150 for the privilege, you're less likely to do it. So definitely have a look around, see if there's a way you can add another driver cheaply. One of the things I'm amazed that's still a thing is hiring sat-navs to go in the vehicle. So most of the time you can pick up a really cheap data plan Use your phone and use an app like Waze or Google Maps or something like that to, you know, to take the place Mm -hmm. of a sat-nav. The only time I would get one is if you're going somewhere really remote Mm -hmm. where internet access is going to be an issue. And I mean, we went up through the Scottish Highlands with our phone data and that was fine. Yeah. And that's pretty remote. Yeah, definitely. So I would say don't don't hire a sat-nav. We only hired a sat-nav once many years ago, and it was a really terrible one. So we're a bit wary of those as well. Yeah. You can also hire things like if you're driving in an area where tolls are charged, you can hire a toll transponder, which can be a convenient way to pay your, your tolls. But sometimes you get charged a lot for that convenience. You may be charged the highest cash rate for the tolls as well as a convenience fee, whereas the car hire company will be paying the minimum rate and then just just getting the convenience fee off you for for nothing. Yeah, a good bit of arbitrage there on their part, but Mm -hmm. not good for you. So consider not getting that, using the cash lane, or getting your own toll transponder if you're going to be in and out of that area a lot. Yeah. Speaking of tolls, if you're traveling internationally, make sure to research how tolls work in the countries you're traveling to. In a lot of Europe, you can just drive through, you know, you get a ticket and you pay, you can pay by cash at the next toll booth. So it's pretty easy. But some countries are a bit more complicated. Some requires a special tax sticker in order to be able to use the motorways, which are usually provided if you're driving in country. But if you're driving across borders, you might have to ask for that and pay uh, rather a large fee <laughs> at can, once again. It can get complicated driving around Europe because it's a, a borderless state for a lot of it when you're in the Schengen zone, but you're often changing motorway systems. And so do talk to your rental car office about where you're planning to go and they should be able to give you information on that. Yeah, definitely. So Portugal, for example, is super complex and super tricky because you have to pre-buy these little cards and then you have to call a number every time you use a toll road (laughs) to give them some of the credit on your prepaid cards. It's it's madness. In New Zealand, on the other hand, I think as long as you've got a phone, it's one of the easiest systems in the world. It's a no-stopping toll. So you just drive right through. You don't need any special equipment. And special cameras take photos of your license plate. You go onto the website or you call a toll-free number, put in the license plate number, and then give them a credit card. And it picks up off that. So the only uh, problem is you know, remembering to do it. Yeah, the only problem is if you forget. It's it's nice and simple and an easy way to do it. Yeah. 
definitely ask questions because my sister was caught out when she was traveling around Europe because I think she went into Austria and Austria is one of these countries that needs these tax stickers and they didn't have it and they were pulled over by the cops and hit with a fine. So yeah, definitely ask lots of questions. But hey, it's not all issues. There are some really cool advantages you might be able to get hold of through your credit card, through an automobile association, something like that. One example I heard of, US renters who are AAA members can get things like free child seat rentals while using discount codes. And so, you know, that's pretty neat. It's, you know, maybe 20 bucks a day that you're saving through your membership. So keep an eye out for stuff like that. And I know that one of the credit cards that we've got gives us partial insurance towards car hire if we book using that credit card. So there's things like that that can help you to save. Yeah, definitely. There are heaps of benefits. I recently discovered that my automobile association membership here in New Zealand gives me free driving lessons for learner drivers. So I mean, that's pretty cool. Free? Yeah. Wow. That's insane. For the first two months of having the license. So Craig's sister is currently on her learners and uh, she's had it for about 10 years. So it's it's not very valid, but uh, yeah, I've just got to keep it in mind. You've got to keep it in mind because as soon as they've got the learners, you need to use the advantage. Wow. That's really cool. Hey, our last tip is to drive safe. Please, people, do look after yourself. Well, yeah, it kind of goes without saying that it's in your best interest to drive safely because, you know, you want to have a good trip and end the trip well. So as we said before, uh, make sure to research any interesting road rules to make sure that you know that you're following the rules in the place that you're driving. Keep your seatbelt on, drive to the speed limit and the conditions. Speaking of speed limit, speed limits can be different in different countries. For example, in New Zealand, you're not going to get ticketed if you're going up to about 10% over the speed limit. Whereas in Australia, you cannot go at all over the speed limit. If the speed limit is 100, you cannot go over 100 or you'll start getting ticketed. So be aware of this kind of thing. Yeah, if you're driving on the other side of the road than you're used to, then be careful of that. And the trickiest time is actually like just after lunch or Mm -hmm. just after a coffee break because you're kind of running on autopilot and you jump out, you go through the car park where it doesn't really matter Uh where you're driving and then you pull out onto the road and at that point is where people often pull out onto the wrong side of the road. So be especially careful every time you're walking back to the car, getting in the car in a car park. If you're driving with someone else, have a bit of a chat about it. Yeah. If you're a passenger, don't feel embarrassed about saying, don't forget to drive on the left or don't forget to drive on the right, whichever is the opposite. And don't, don't feel bad about that because it's really, really common that people will forget. The first time you drive in the morning, you tend to be aware of it, right? You're going out going, I'm in a different country. I'm driving on the other side. But yeah, it's after lunch or after a coffee break. That's really the dangerous time. Yeah. Uh, different countries can have different giveaway rules. Mm. And so that's something to really be aware of. Ask a rental company if they've got a one pager on special road rules or giveaway rules or things like that. And even though road signs around the world are pretty standardized, there are some funny looking road signs out there. Yeah. So it can be helpful to take a look around and figure out some of these local rules and, and local traditions, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most importantly, stay safe and have a great trip. This episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by Autoslash, a website dedicated to saving people money on car rentals. That's right, autoslash.com. You can compare all of the major operators and you can also track prices as it gets closer to the date so you can rebook and get the cheapest possible rate. And remember, it's completely free. So check out autoslash.com for more information and give it a go. 
Well, what are we up to for the next little while? Well, we said that we're flying out tomorrow. Yes. So today we are packing. We're having a little bit of a party, fish and chips on the beach. Very New Zealand. And then tomorrow, just one more day of work, then heading down to Christchurch, where we'll spend time with Craig's parents, and across to Melbourne for Easter. And then, yeah, well, I suppose we'll have to start booking accommodation in Greece. Awesome. Well, looking forward to seeing you soon, Europe, and uh, looking forward to having some more stories to tell in the near future. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.